Do you believe that this morning, that he is enough for me? There's nothing else in this world that we need. He is enough. I think if, if we could truly, truly come to grips of what that means, I think we, t- we take our relationship to God to a next level. When we truly believe that God is enough and we don't need to fill our lives with anything else but Him, that is when we truly experience God at a whole new level. Nothing else can satisfy us but Him. This morning I told you uh, we're going to be talking about an issue that I have and I'm, I'm sure many of us have here in this congregation. I titled this sermon, No Time to Breathe, The Problem of Busyness. We live in a world today where 95% of the time when somebody comes to me and they ask me, they say, Josh, hey, been a while, how you doing? My first response, oh, been pretty busy. Every time, every single time. Well, we live in a world that is full of busyness. If you don't, if you don't believe me, let me, let me pull up some uh, stats for you on uh, busyness. It's eight things you may not know about busyness. Number one, we are stressed out. We are stressed out. Oh, I figured I'd get an amen on that. We are stressed out as human beings here in America. Studies have proven that commuters, okay, people that drive to work, day in and day out, experience greater levels of stress than fighter pilots and riot police. We experience more stress than people that fly airplanes that shoot stuff and people that are dealing with riots. We experience more stress than them. That blew my mind. Number two, we work the longest days out of anybody in the entire world. Italy and Germany, they work about 6.8 hours a day on average. The United Kingdom, about 7.8 hours per day. And the United States, an average of 8.8 hours per day we work. 8.8. And it doesn't really make sense to us because we are probably one of the more... um, Developed nations, you know, technology has just blown many of us away. So we should be more efficient, right? We should be having so much technology, so much intelligence, so much all this stuff going on that we really should cut down our work time. Well, in 1967, futurists predicted that we would be working roughly 22 hours a week. Roughly 22 hours a week. They figured as efficient as we are going to become as a nation that the average human being will probably work 22 hours a week. Well, that is far, far, far off because we are working close to 60 hours per week. 60 hours per week. So we have nearly tripled what futurists thought we would have. Number four, we rest. We rest way less than other developed nations. We rest rest way less. It says right here, it says, while workers in Norway have nearly 70 vacation days. Raise your hand if you'd love 70 vacation days. Yes. Raise your hand if you get 70 vacation days. Yeah, I don't know many people that do. 70 
they get 70 vacation days, and we are putting in nearly 14 more weeks of work than what people in Norway are. And guess what? Norway is known for their, their efficiency and hard work. Another one. We, we think we can multitask, but studies have proven that we cannot multitask. We cannot. Whenever you're multitasking, you're not doing three things at one time. Your mind is focusing on one of the other, and the other two are not getting attention. So when you people think you can text and drive, you really can't. You're either focusing on driving or you're focusing on texting. And I'm guilty of that, right, Terry? (laughs) Terry busted me one time for that. Yeah. (laughs) Families. Families are taking a hit on busyness. They polled uh, a bunch of children and they asked them one or two questions. They said, would you rather want more time with your parents or would you want your parents less stressed out? Which one would you want? Majority of the kids said that they would want their parents less stressed out. Majority of their kids would want their parents less stressed out. We're not getting enough sleep. More than one-third of all our working adults get fewer than six hours of sleep at night. More than one-third get less than six hours of sleep at night. That's over 40 million people that are sleep-deprived. Also, the average American gets 2.5 fewer hours of sleep per night than they did a century ago. So, these these stats that I I was reading have completely blown me out of the water. I know that people are busy. I know that there's things going on in this world that we just really can't help but do. But what is the problem with busyness? What is the problem with busyness? This morning, we're going to talk about Three different relationships that are seriously affected by busyness. All three are pointed out right here in this scripture that we're going to read. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke 10. Luke 10, verses 38 to 42. Luke 10, verses 38 to 42. This is a very familiar story to many of us about Mary and Martha. And uh, what's crazy is I kind of... I, I got my scripture down, and then I kind of made my points of what I wanted to do, and then I started going into the scripture. It's kind of different than what I normally do, but as I wrote down my points and then went into the scriptures, it, it fell right into it. So I know this is what the message that God has for us this morning, but let me read this. It says, as now, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, we just thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you so much for this passage. Lord, I hope that this morning that we can um, kind of brush away the, the, the lies and the true and the, and the just things that we've told ourselves about being busy and how it's okay. And we can really get down to the deep issue of what busyness causes us to do and how it affects relationships in our lives. Lord, I ask right now that you empty me of myself, fill me with your spirit, Lord, to deliver a message not from me this morning, but from you. Lord, we thank you and we love you. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen.
So let's break down this story in the three different relationships that I said that we're going to talk about this morning. But first off, I want to set the stage. Okay, so we've got different characters here. We've got Martha, Mary, Jesus, and I'm assuming the disciples were the ones that uh, they were having over. And this setting is taking place in Martha's house. If you know anything about Martha's house, this isn't the only time that they've uh, actually told a story about Martha serving people at her house. Martha was a, a very hospitable woman, and we'll talk about more of that and that later as we get into this. But she always wanted to bring people in. I'm sure we know people in our lives that just love having people over. I know, I know uh, a certain uh, woman of uh, one of my uh, friends. She is seriously the most hospitable lady I've ever met. You get done with your drink, as soon as the last drop hits your mouth, she's right there asking if you want more. I mean, she just loves serving people. And that's, that's what I think about when I think of Martha here. But what is the problem? What is the problem that we're seeing here in this story? It's Jesus is speaking, and Martha is getting everything together, and she's getting no help from her sister. So she's very stressed out, trying to get all this stuff together, and she has no help in that. And that's where we're going to jump right into our first point, and it's busyness and our loved ones busyness in our loved ones and how busyness affects our relationship with our loved ones in our lives. It says the first relationship affected by Martha is her busyness and her sister. If you read right there, the first thing that happens is the first thing, think about Mary and Martha. I mean, anytime you see Mary, you see Martha. I mean, they're just like two peas in a pod, always with each other in the Bible. And when they're talking here, Martha turns on Mary turns on Mary right away. Why? Because she's being distracted by her busyness. These two are extremely close. They live with each other and do everything together. And we barely, we, we never hear about these two having arguments or fighting or anything. I mean, these two are sisters. I mean, I'm sure you guys have a sister, you ladies in here have a sister that you're seriously close with that, you know, you don't fight very much and you're just there for each other. That's what I picture when I think of these two. But you can see that they're as, as similar as they are and as, as, as uh, close night or tit night as they are, they have different priorities. They have different priorities. And I, honestly, I just want to bring out this right here. It says, notice how busyness consumes Martha in this moment. It consumes her and she instantly turns against her sister. It says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. So what is she doing? She's trying, to get, she's trying to get Mary in trouble. She's trying to get Mary in trouble. I have grown up with six siblings, and I know, I know this tone of voice that Martha's using here. I know she's trying to get, she's trying to, hey, look, she's not even helping. Look, I'm doing everything. That's not right. You need to get after her. And we can tell just from this that the tone is not very nice. It's very un-Martha-like when she talks about this. But what I want to talk about there is how busyness turns our joy, our love, our excitement that we may have for one person, and it can instantly turn us against somebody. It can instantly turn us against somebody because busyness has overconsumed us, and we have talked about that that joy, that excitement, that love. It instantly turns to anger, frustration, blame because she's so stressed out. She's super stressed out. It says, have you ever just been so irritable towards people because you have so much going on? I have been 
horrible to people because I am so stressed out with everything going on and literally the smallest thing, and you could probably think of a moment in your life too where you've just had a week that has just been awful. You have this due, this due. You have to get this project done. You have to have this kid here. You have this practice here. You have this game here. You have all this stuff going on and then it just takes one person doing one thing and it may not even be that big and you can snap on them just like that. And I have, I have seen relationships ruined off stuff like that. I have seen relationships ruined because people, they get so wrapped up in their busyness. They get so wrapped up in their busyness that are, they are completely blinded to the person that they're talking to. The person that's coming to them in love. That person that's trying to help them. And they snap. And they say something they don't mean. It says, busyness can sometimes overcome us to the point of turning us against the people that we love most. I, I think about how busyness affects our relationship with our, with, our, with our kids, with our parents, with our friends, with our spouses. And I think about how busyness has really kind of been covered up. You know, we look at things in the world today. We look at um, things such as uh, suicides, divorce rates, um, kids just not talking to their parents. We, 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 we think of all this stuff and we think about why is the divorce rate so high? Why is the suicide rate so high? And we start thinking, oh, it's, it's a psychological thing, you know, or it's this, this, this spouse wants this and the husband's not giving it there, the wife's not giving that and, you know, all this stuff. But think down to the deep, very root of that. Think down to the root of it. Has busyness controlled those two things? Now get, now try, try to hear what I'm saying here. Suicide rates. Suicide rates among um, adolescents are, 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 have skyrocketed. Why? Why? Because suicide rates, pe- the kids, they don't feel loved. They feel ignored. They feel like they have nobody. They feel like ending their lives are the best possible thing. Why? Because everybody's so busy that they can't spend time with that kid. They, 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 they don't mean to. It's not that they're meaning to push that kid away. But they're so wrapped up in their lives at work. They're so wrapped up in their lives with their hobbies. They're so wrapped up in everything that maybe they start pushing that kid away. And then that kid feels ignored. That kid feels just completely unloved. And it drives them to do something that we, it's just awful. Divorce rate. Why is the divorce rate so high? You could probably throw a million reasons at me why the divorce rate is so high. But have you thought about the reason why divorce rate is so high is because we're so stinking busy we can't invest in the lives of our spouses? Conversations between husband and wife have become a passing thing where one's going out the door and the other one's coming in the door. Nobody has sit-down family meals anymore. You're too busy. We don't have time to do that anymore. And relationships have been completely just punched, just beaten to a pulp where it has become absolutely nothing. If you don't invest your time into somebody, invest your time into people that you love, that relationship is eventually going to become non-existent. And then love is pulled away from that. And love is taken out. And the, the relationship that you had with somebody that was this close, you just grow farther and farther and farther and farther and farther and farther apart until eventually it's gone.
God talked about here. It says, it, 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 as another status, it says, we have seen things such as family time decrease and crime rates slash suicides increase. And it says, on average, on average, families spend about eight hours a, a week together. Eight hours a week. Eight hours. You may think, Josh, that's quite a bit. You know how many hours are in a week? 168 hours in a week. And eight of those hours are being spent with families. 4%. 4% of our time are being spent with our families. Well, how we, what are you talking about, Josh? We went to the ball game together. We went out and did this together. You didn't talk to the people there. There's no talking involved. We're too busy. We're so wrapped up in our stuff that we're down to eight hours a week. And what does that eight hours come to? What is going on in that eight hours? Are we sitting there watching TV? Are we sitting there on our phones just texting each other? We have completely ruined the family concept, the, the, the marriage concept, because busyness has taken over our time with our families. But yet we want to turn it and we want to, and we want to, we want to point to other things that's causing problems in our families. We want to point to other things. But it's not my schedule. It's their schedule. It's not, you know, it's just we kind of lost a spark. It's not, it's not that we're busy. You're busy. You're busy. You're putting your time and effort into something else instead of something that is worth everything. With our extreme busy lives, we are starting to spend less time investing in the lives of our people that matter and those relationships are starting to go away. 1 Peter 1.22. 1 Peter 1.22. Listen to what this says. It says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere, sincere brotherly love. And listen to this one. Love one another earnestly. Earnestly with a pure heart. Earnestly. That means you are striving you are beaten down to the point where you are hurting for the person that you love. You are earnestly trying to love them. You're putting all of your effort, all of your time, everything that you have into that relationship. Earnestly loving with a pure heart. Eight, eight hours out of 168 hours a week is not earnestly loving. It's not. The greatest thing, this is a quote, the greatest thing that you can give someone is your time. The greatest thing you can give your wife, give your husband, give your kids, give your friends, give your, give your brother and sister, the greatest thing you can give them is your time. Why? Why, Josh? Because when you give your time, when you give your time, you are giving them a portion of your life that you can never get back. When you give somebody your time, you're giving them a portion of your life that you will never get back. That means so much more than giving them money, giving them presents, giving them whatever. You're giving them something that you cannot get back. So that's how it is affecting families, affecting relationships, affecting marriages. Busyness is coming, it's creeping in. Now, what does it do to the second relationship that I'm going to talk about today? Busyness and yourself. If you look back in verse 41, 
right here, it says, but Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled. You are anxious and troubled. So instantly we see the second relationship being affected here, and that is Martha and herself. She is not being Martha when she is busy. The The message version of this verse says, Martha, Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. You're getting yourself worked up over nothing. How many of us in here today have ever got worked up about nothing? Get worked up about nothing. If you look back in the Bible and you, and you really study who Martha is, this isn't who Martha is at all. She is a kind, gentle, hospitable woman. And Jesus knew that. He knew that. That's why he called this out in her. He said, Martha, what are you doing? You're troubled. You're anxious. This isn't who you are. You're a kind-hearted woman who loves having people over. Why are you making this such a big deal? And look what busyness did to Martha. It took something that she loved. It took something that she loved, serving others, and it turned it into something she was hating. How many times have we had that before? We've become so busy with stuff in our lives that eventually... It becomes things, stuff that we love becomes things that we're just dreading to go to. I'm just dreading to go to because we're so wiped out. We're so stressed out. I love softball. I love playing softball. But you can ask Melinda, there are times where I just don't want to go and play. I just don't. I'm tired. I'm stressed out. I just, I don't want to do it. I'm tired of doing things. There are times where I just don't, want to come to our elders meetings. I just don't. I get so burnt out on that day. I'm just like, man, can I just stay home and sleep? And I love our elders meetings, but I just get to the point where I get so busy. It's just another thing on my list. Things that we love, things that we, that we enjoy doing, stacked on top, all sorts of these other things start to become burdens and start to become things that aren't that important. But I got to give Martha some credit here. I got to give Martha some credit. And I want, I want us to put ourselves in Martha's shoes for a second. She's having Jesus. Kind of a big deal. All right? She's having Jesus come over to her house for the first time. All right? She wants everything to be perfect. She wants clean house, good food, good, good service, you know, the best chairs, the best tables. She wants everything to be perfect because Jesus is coming over. If I had a dollar for every time my mom thought Jesus was coming over. Have, 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 and, and mom doesn't, mom I'm sure doesn't care that I say this sometimes. But mom is a very loving person. And, and, but man, when we were kids and we were having guests over, get out of the way. Mom wanted this house perfect. She wanted it clean. She wanted it spotless. We couldn't find a speck of dust anywhere in the house. And mom became somebody that we, we just really wanted to hide from. Because we, as kids, weren't really helping her out that much. But we've all been there. We've all been there. We want something to become so perfect. We want something to be, be, be so right that it starts changing who we are. We start becoming, I mean, this, this, is, a, this is a great moment. You have Jesus, the, one of the, the, you know, the utmost prolific pr- preacher that is around these days. And he's completely just changing lives and he's coming over to your house, and you should be excited about that because you're going to be able to sit at his feet and listen. 
But no, we've, we've made this event become more than the purpose of him coming over. And it starts to change who Martha is. It turns, sometimes busyness turns the nicest, sweetest people into the most angry, frustrated, stressed out people that we can meet. And if you think about what is the biggest thing that busyness destroys? What is the biggest thing that busyness destroys? Our joy. Our joy. We become so busy in life we can't enjoy anything. We can't enjoy the moment we're in right now because we're thinking about the moment that's coming here later. We think about the moment we were just in. If I had to bet a dollar, every time somebody here in this service today has probably looked at the person next to them and said, hey, what are we having for lunch today? What's dinner plans tonight? We can't enjoy this moment where we're sitting right here in the presence of Jesus, worshiping him, because we're so worried about what our schedule is for the rest of the day. I've been guilty of it. But that's what busyness does. It takes our joy of coming to church. And how many people get up in the morning, they're like, oh, I'm so tired. I just don't want to go to church today. And you come in, you stumble into the pews, and you sit down. That's not how church should be. But the night before, you guys, you had baseball tournaments. You had basketball tournaments. You had uh, this birthday party or this birthday party or you went to this person's house and you got home at 10 or 11 o'clock and you're just wore out and you're tired and you just don't want to go to church because that's getting up early and you have to go sit there and listen to Josh talk the whole time and it's just awful. Something that we should enjoy. Something, not, not listening to me, you should enjoy, but coming to church. Coming to church, being in the presence of your brothers and sisters in Christ should bring joy, but it doesn't. Everything Martha was looking for in this, everything she was looking forward to was drained out because she became too busy and she became a word that I think busyness does the most to us. She became distracted. She became distracted. It says, do we lose our joy in things because we feel rushed, stressed, or overburdened by the things in life? You know, I saw a video that I thought about playing here, but then I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just kind of tell you about it. Um, it was a video that, sh- it was just words, it was just a, like a story type thing that you read. But it says Satan was having his meeting, this meeting with his demons. And uh, he was sitting there and he had this great plan. He had this great plan at how he was going to hinder the relationship between Christians and God. He, was just, he had this great Oh, just awesome plan. And he was sitting there and he was talking to his demons about it. And they're like, oh, tell us what it is. Tell us what it is. And Satan said, I got got an idea. He goes, I'm going to fill their lives with so much stuff. I'm going to fill their lives with sports. I'm going to fill their lives with work. I'm going to fill their lives with whatever I can to make them busy. And it may even be good things that I'm filling their lives with. And they're going to be so wrapped up in those things that they're going to be distracted from God. And they're going to stop having relationships with him. And they're not going to know who he is, and he's not going to know who they are, and it's just going to be great. As demons start cheering, they're like, oh, it's a a great plan. And then he sent them forth, and we have what we have today. Satan uses the tool of busyness more than any tool in his toolbox. I guarantee it. I guarantee that that is the biggest thing, the biggest thing that derails Christians in life is how busy they are. And it may be busyness such as going on mission trips, 
teaching Sunday school, um, going to this Bible study, reading this book, watching this sermon. You can fill your life with good things that distract you from God, that turn you into something that you don't want to be. And busyness, a lot of times, covers up and makes us forget about the struggles that were going on in our lives, the sin struggles that we're struggling with. Is that why a lot of us like to be busy? I've been there. I want to be busy because I don't want to sit by myself thinking about all the things I struggle with, thinking about all the things that are going wrong in my life. So I'm just going to stay as busy as I possibly can in order to just cover that stuff up. And that's the most unhealthy thing that you could possibly do. Busyness is like sin. If you don't kill it, it will kill you. Busyness is like sin. If you don't kill it, it will kill you. Luke 21 verse 34 says, But watch yourself, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Like a trap. Before you know it, you have said yes to so many things. Before you know it, you are trapped. You are done. You are wrapped up in this world of busyness and there is nothing that you can do to get out of it. If we are not consciously making an effort to watch ourselves from becoming distracted with busyness, it will creep up on us faster than we can expect. We need to watch ourselves. The last relationship that I'm going to be talking about is the most important, and it's busyness in God. Busyness in our relationship with God. If you look at verse 42, Jesus sums it up perfectly here. Verse 42, he says, but one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. My question is, in this moment, is Jesus getting after Martha because she's doing something wrong? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, she's not doing anything wrong. She's just serving people. She, I mean, it's not a sin to serve people. She's not doing anything wrong. But I think that Jesus thinks, and he's trying to make the point here, that yeah, that's not wrong what you're doing, Martha, but it's not the best thing that you could be doing. It's not the best thing you could be doing. How many times are we doing the good things and are completely forgetting the best thing? You know, I work a ton of camps. You know, I work walk to Emmaus's, serve at food pantries, help this person, help that person. What is the best thing? What is the best thing I need to be doing? Well, he tells us this. And it's this key word, he says, and it's necessary. One thing is necessary. Necessary for what? That's the first thing we need to know. What is this thing? What do we mean necessary? Necessary for what? Making people happy? Necessary for being a good Christian? What do you mean Jesus, what do you mean? What is it necessary for? It's necessary for salvation, and it's necessary for eternal life. It's necessary for his love. It's necessary for a lot of things that we just really feel aren't necessary. 
We don't think. We don't think about our relationship with God and how we don't think about salvation every single day. And don't tell me you do because I know I've been there. Salvation can be the farthest thing from our, li- our, our minds sometimes and how we think about the future and we think about how we are going to spend eternity with God. That's not what we think on all the time. We, thought, we think on well, how can this benefit me now? How can this make me happy now? How can this bring me joy now? So we start wrapping ourselves up in the good things. We start wrapping ourselves up in things that aren't necessary, like money, status, good works, church attendance, church membership, acceptance of the world, etc. We get wrapped up in all of that stuff and not the one thing, the one thing. Everybody say one thing. Yes, I love it. I love the enthusiasm coming back there from Eli Ash. I love it. That's what we got to have. The one thing that is necessary. Love that. Wish we had more of that. Thank you, Eli. Christ is our biggest necessity and we are too busy for him. Christ is the one thing, the one thing that we need. It's the one necessity that we need to have. And guess what? We're too busy for him. We are too busy for God. God has gradually become a lesser priority for us in our lives and a lesser portion of our lives. And I'm not here here this morning to, to just come up here and just beat you down and saying, You know, God's not, he's not, he's not. God has become a lesser priority in our nation. God has become a lesser portion of our nation. God has become a lesser priority in the church. God has become a lesser portion of the church. Yes, I'm talking about the church and how we have kind of pushed God away and said, that's not the most important. We got to have this program and this program. And we're not making God the center part of what we need to be making center part of our lives. And if it's not evident in our country and it's not evident in our churches, then how in the world could it be evident in our lives? We try to label ourselves as Christians. Christians by trying to keep busy by doing things as posting up, lifting Facebook statuses, teaching Sunday school, attending church events, going to Christian concerts, going on mission trips. That's not what makes you a Christian. That's not what makes you a Christian. That's not the one thing that is necessary. While these things aren't bad and they're things that we should do, they can load us down so much and can disguise themselves as a relationship building activity for God. But in the reality, we're truly missing out on being with Him. Being with Him. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now let, me, now let me come back and tell you here that this is, not, this is not saying that we should just sit in our rooms and pray and read the Bible for the entire day. That's not what it says. If that were true, this thing would be a lot less thick than what it is. But in this Bible right here, it tells us to go. It tells us to do. It tells us to make. It tells us to speak. But we forget about these commands, such as listen, sit, meditate, learn, know, 
we forget about those words. We're so busy wrapped up in go, do, make, and speak that we forget about listen, sit, meditate, learn. No. Imagine yourself, okay? Imagine yourself dating someone. Imagine yourself dating someone, okay? You, the, you guys are in the dating stage right now, okay? Imagine yourself dating a girl, and all you do is go on exciting dates with other couples. That's all you do. That's all you do is go on exciting dates with other people. It may be fun and exciting. You're spending time with that person, and you think that that's improving your relationship. But in that time where you're dating this person, and all you're doing is going on these dates with other people, you never have just you and her time to get to know each other to talk about issues, to find out how they think, act, operate. Is that relationship going to work? No. It's not going to work. You don't know the person that you're dating. You don't know the person that you're trying to love. In order for a relationship to work, you got to get to know who the person is. you got to know how they, how they act, how they operate. That way you can know if you could spend forever with them or not. And if you don't do any of that stuff, all you do is go on dates with other people or go to concerts or whatever, you never get to know the person. That's not a relationship at all. So how is that affecting our relationship with God? We're doing all these great things for God. We're coming to church. You know, we worked Bible school. We're going to Bible memory camp. We're going on this mission trip. We're serving in this part of the church. We're doing all this stuff. That's great. I love that. We need more people to do that stuff. But if that's all you do, you're just like the person here that's having exciting dates with God. And you're never sitting down and building that relationship. The one thing that is necessary. In closing, my question is, how do we overcome this problem of busyness and how it affects these relationships? I have three simple points. First one, We must stop being a people pleaser. We must stop being a people pleaser. Just say no. Just say no. If I have one problem in my entire life, it is extremely hard for me to say that simple two-letter word, no. Because guess what? When you say yes to this thing, You're saying no to this thing. You can't say yes to everything. That's what people try to do. They try to say yes to a lot of things. But when you say yes here, you're being less committed to that thing and the thing you said yes to over here. You're being less committed. You can't fully commit yourself to 75 different things. Why Why not say yes to these things and no to these things and then fully dedicate your entire self to this thing? Just say no. Because a lot of times when you say yes, who gets hurt? God, God and your family are the ones that are affected by that. Number two, we must get our priorities in line. But I want, I want, I, 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 let me go ahead and say it. Crazy Busy, Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung. I'm reading this book right now. I have more bruises, scars, and punches from this book than any book I've ever read. And in this book, he has a quote that truly hit me. And listen to this. It says, the answer to our problem of busyness 
is not, I must spend more time with God. That's not the answer. That's not the answer. Why? Why is that not the answer? Because we cannot rearrange our priorities unless we truly believe he is the number one priority. You can't sit here and say, I'm going to make God my number one priority if you don't truly believe that. You have to come to grips to understand that he is the one thing necessary and then he, became, then he can become the number one priority in your life. But if you hold your family, if you hold your job, if you hold your spouse and you hold everything up above God, whether you know it or not, he can never become your number one priority ever. You have to believe it in order to make it happen. We also must remember, the last step is we must remember what is necessary. What is necessary. Matthew seven twenty three. This is, this is the last thing I want to happen to people in this church. People, Christians all across the world, this is the last thing that I want to happen to them. Matthew seven twenty three. it says, And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. How disheartening is that? You work your whole life and you think you're doing such great things for God. But God, I worked this camp. God, I was a, I was a crew leader at Bible school. God, I sang on the praise team. God, I was at church all the time. I was a member of Providence. What do you mean? What do you mean you didn't know me? You never had a relationship with me. You constantly went on exciting dates with me, but never got to know who I was. We must just sit down and not fill our life and schedule with things that are going to cause us to become distracted from the one you must know and have a relationship with. Sitting in the presence of God, reading his word, praying, just being, just getting to know God. That is what it is all about. Here's questions to think about this week. Number one, where in your life can you cut something out to make more time for your family, for yourself, most importantly for God? Are you making time to just sit and just breathe in his presence and love every single day? Are you making time for that? Are you making time for that? You know, the, you know the best thing about God? Nowhere in this Bible does he sit down and say, you have to devote me two hours every single day. He doesn't say that. There's not one time he says that in here. If you sit down and give God 15 minutes of your life, 15 minutes of your life, and you are sitting down and you're completely putting everything else aside and you sit down for 15 minutes with God, he loves every single bit of that. Every single bit of that. He never tells us one time we have to sit down and we have to read from Genesis to Revelation in one sitting. He never says that. In my devotional time, there's times where I'll read a whole chapter. There's times I'll read one verse and it just sits and just pricks at my mind. I sit there and just love what he says. It's not that hard. If we want to do it, if we really believe he is the number one priority, it's not that hard. Is the weight of this world crushing you so much that you're becoming someone you don't like? Have you noticed anything different about you? 
Have you noticed yourself being a little bit more irritable lately? Have you noticed yourself snapping at people? And the last question, is your busy schedule worth, worth losing your wife, your kids, yourself, and your God? Is it worth that? I want to close with this last paragraph from Kevin DeYoung's book, Crazy Busy. Here's what it says. He says, it's not wrong to be tired. It's not wrong to feel overwhelmed. It's not wrong to go through seasons of complete chaos. But what is wrong? Heartbreakingly foolish and wonderfully avoidable is to live a life with more craziness than we want because we have less Jesus than what we need. We have more craziness than we want and we have less Jesus than what we need. I'm gonna play a song as soon as I get done praying here. And I'm sure many of you know it. It's by Johnny Diaz. It's Breathe. In the song, he tells us just to sit and breathe. Come and rest at my feet and just breathe. That's all God's asking us to do. Take time out of your busy schedule to sit with the one who loves you and the one thing that is necessary. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, Lord. We, just, we come to you, Lord, just... Lord, I come to you apologetic, Father. Lord, I, 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 I just, I'm so sorry, Father, for, for not making you the number one priority in your, my life. Lord, for, for, for pushing you back, for thinking other things are more important, other things are more necessary. But Lord, when I sit in your presence and I read your word and I, and I pray and I hear your voice, Lord, I know, I know what is necessary. I know what is more, most important. And Lord, I thank you that you are the one thing that is necessary. Lord, that you give us love. You give us eternal life. You give us salvation. You gave us your son. Lord, you made us a priority. It's time we start making you our number one priority. Lord, I pray right now that the busyness that is just consuming the lives in this, in this place today, consuming the lives of, of people everywhere. Lord, I pray that through the busyness, Lord, that we can, we can pull it back. We can just take some time and make time for you and just breathe. Just breathe at your feet and experience what you are doing in our lives. That is my prayer here this morning, Lord. For every person in here, thank you and we love you. In every name we pray, amen.